The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to Good Morning New York from VoiceAmerica.com. I am your host, Vince Rocco, and we are live from the New York City Expo at the Hilton Hotel in Midtown. I have the full panel for the full hour, plus I have two very special guests. I wanted to introduce two guys here who uh, we are working with at Blue Realty very closely. It is one of my favorite places in the world, in North America, as I tell everybody, Cancun, Playa del Carmen, and Tulum, one of the most beautiful places in the Caribbean, in my opinion. So we have Chris Gill here today, and we have Ernesto Patron here today both from Playa del Carmen, and I want to talk about the project that Blue Realty Group and you guys are working on together in this wonderful paradise. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, a little bit about the development that you are representing in Tulum, and I believe it's Anat Tulum. That is so correct. Well, first of all, great pleasure being here. We have two projects going on right now, one in Playa del Carmen, which is a beautiful city, very upbeat, famous for its jazz festival, film festivals, and we're only literally two blocks away from the famous Fifth Avenue where all the action takes place in the city. And the beautiful one and two bedroom condos, high uh, building style, and then we have Anatolum, which is the jewel of the crown. It's paradise, it's a beautiful gated community with Robert Trent Jones golf courses, four hotels, and this is more horizontal growth type resort. and here we offer different type of properties, one, two bedroom condominiums as well as townhomes uh, for those people seeking for more privacy, more space, private space. And the beauty about this specific resort is that Tulum is a two-step investment. When I say two-step investment, we're talking about the first step, which is appreciation, is being able to jump in an early stage of construction and allow your funds to grow, literally as you see your property uh, being built in paradise. And the second step, most certainly, is the rental income. As we know, 30 million tourists arrive every year. 20% of them are repetitive tourists that have been more than three times in the last two years. I'm seeing one right now. And, uh, and I'm heading there next week, <laughs> and I'm counting the days, trust me. I'm 18th, counting. November 18th. What an honor it's going to be to have you there, Vince. And, and basically, this so property... Let, let me ask you a little bit sure. about uh, the, the two-fold investment opportunity here. So is it safe to say that people who are thinking today about retiring in an area such as uh, Mexico or, or in the Caribbean, is it safe to say that, uh, and I think you just said it, um, that they can purchase today at very good entry-level prices and at some point rent it out, make some money on their investment, and when they're reti- ready to retire, if they so choose, or if they can uh, flip it and sell it at some point and see the appreciation as time goes on, just like they can do anywhere else. So is that actually what the twofold uh, investment you know, opportunity is? This is exactly what it is. It's guaranteeing a space for their future retirement, meanwhile making a profit out of it. So they jump in a very good price. Once delivered, they get great rentals, which allows the property to pay off by itself, especially if you take our direct financing. And then, of course, retire in paradise, living like a king at third world country cost. Retire in paradise. I don't know anybody who doesn't want to do that. I certainly <laughs> Talk a little bit about the price points, because when you look at these price points, Comparatively speaking to what we are used to here in New York City, or just on the East Coast, and, and I would take that as far as the West Coast, tell us about the, the, the price points or the range of prices for these phenomenal homes, condos, townhomes, in a fantastic resort. Because when I look at the price schedule, I'm, I'm shocked, because I'm a, 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 a jaded New Yorker, so to speak, and all I know are these inflated prices that are completely out of control. What are the price points here? And tell us why it's so 
real, you know, uh, it, it's like the best thing that you can think of when it comes to an investment, at least this is my opinion. Help us understand why it's such a great investment. Well, basically, uh, the price point to start off with, one bedroom condos are starting at $159,000. Unbelievable. Two bedroom condos are starting at 200000 and you can... <laughs> Go it's on. It's mind blowing, I can't believe it. It is mind blowing. I actually own six of them myself. Uh, As you should. Yeah. Well, I believe in what I do, that's for sure. And the townhomes, uh, which is a biggest scale property, we're talking about over 2,400 square foot of property with private gardens, plunge pools, in a golf resort, I repeat, is $287,000. No way! Yes, it is. Uh, plus, we finance 50% of it post-construction, post-delivery. Right. Right. So well, I want to ask a little bit about the developer. So Ernesto, you know, give us a little bit about your background and uh, also, you know, just to point out, you are the attorney representative for a majority of the buyers who come through. If they don't have representation, the development team is, is, is referring you, as we do here in New York, to people who don't have attorneys because either they haven't bought before, they've never gone through a transaction, or they did and they don't really like their past attorneys. So. You know, someone who's schooled on the project, who understands the development, makes usually the most sense. And I know my buyers here in New York love it when I say, use this guy because he's done work in this building before. He understands whether it's a co-op or a condo or whatever it is, investment property. So give us a little bit about your background and let me know what it is that you bring to the table to these people and why they need to work with you. That is correct, Vince. Uh, good morning. Good morning, New York. Good Thank morning. you for inviting me to your show. Hola, New York. Well, basically, it's not a secret that Mexico is now the hottest place for investment uh, because we occupy the top number one economy of the whole Latin American countries. Places like Cabo, San Miguel de Allende, Lake Chapala, it has been considered as, you know, hidden paradises for uh, all foreign investors. And now the Mayan Riviera, it's the hot spot. So it's our, our turn now. And we live in a paradise. Um, and of course, foreigners need security and solid basis to invest in our country. And that is, that is what I do. I offer all the legal uh, support to foreign investors so they can easily um, transit through that stage of purchasing property. So okay, so let's talk a little bit about the security of transitioning into a, uh, an investment property in the, in the state of Mexico, in the country of Mexico. So. You know, what is it that you bring to the table by way of helping people feel secure in their investment opportunity, investment process in, in, the, in the, uh, the region that you guys live and that you are selling? There's a special factor. Thanks to the foreign investment, our lawmakers decided to amend the Mexican Constitution in 1973 and the result was the creation of the National Foreign Investment Law that establishes all the legal mechanisms through which all of you can hold property in our country. This is important, yeah. yeah. It's very important. So, in other words, you can purchase property in Mexico at the same level of circumstances, same as if you would be doing that in the States, Canada, or whatever part of the world. On top of the administrative procedures, the only thing is that you would be establishing a real estate bank trust, and that would be the ideal legal vehicle for holding property in Mexico. It is called the Fideicomiso. Probably many foreigners who currently what own is that property. Called again? Fideicomiso. Okay. Many probably Fideicomiso. That's correct. And many, many foreigners who are currently owning property in Mexico, they're pretty familiar with that word. So probably people here in this interview, they know everything about Fideicomiso. But for all the people that they don't know uh, the legal mechanisms to hold residential property, deed of property in Mexico. That is the ideal legal mechanism, Fideicomiso or real estate bank trust. Talk a little bit about the, the actual ownership of the property in Mexico in this particular development from a deed perspective. I mean, if I purchase in Anatolum or, or whatever is coming next, do I actually own my apartment? Do I actually get a deed to my unit? as I do if I buy a condominium or a house here in New York? It's a very good question. You will hold a deed in your hands, same as you have in the States. However, you will acquire an extra protection to be provided by a trustee office, because it's the way of purchasing property in Mexico. It is the same as if you were establishing a living trust in the States. In Mexico, it, it's, it's the same. So you establish this entity and you and a trustee office both are named in the deed and that is why you can hold property 
in Mexico uh, in, in the most legal, solid way possible. Now, none of that changes. I mean, by state law, by country law, by Mexican law, whatever you want to label it. None of that changes. That stays consistent with, uh, I guess, the duration of your ownership. One other point that just comes to mind, too. So we talked about last night before the show the, the, um, the citizenship that comes along with this. And I think this is important for Americans to understand. It's not only, you're not only buying property and investing in the future, investing in your future, in a wonderful place, the Mexican Caribbean, but you're actually, through the duration of this ownership, becoming a citizen of the country. Explain that a little bit, because I was mind-boggled when I heard this from Chris a while ago. How, how is this possible? How do you guys make this I'm possible? I'm going to start by saying that there are many benefits regarding residential property in Mexico. The first one is that, as I explained, you hold title together with a trustee office. You can rent, remodel, transfer, dismantle, inherit, which means that inside of the bylaws of the bank trust, there is a will included. You will not need to be concerned about what to do in the future for protecting your beneficiaries, your relatives, your families, your kids, everything. Plus, they will not need to pass through any probate before Mexican court. And in Mexico, we do not have such inheritance tax. Uh, I'm starting yeah. from that part going into the residency and visas. Plus, in the future, when selling the property, you could be 100% exempt of capital gains. Isn't it a big deal? 100% exempt of capital gains. And, what, and that would be if you hold... Where are our American compadres here? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, welcome to Mexico. Yeah. And that wow. would be just if you hold the proper visa. Let's talk about visas answering your questions. So in Mexico, we have two options. Or I would say three options. You can get a temporal residency visa, permanent residency visa, or you can even hold a Mexican passport. And that, that is very That's what I was getting at. Talk about that, please. It's very easy. A temporal resident visa, you will qualify for it if you own property or if you can prove that you have $1,500 in, in your six last bank statements. That $1,500 in your six last bank statements. Yeah, which I don't know if it would, it would be a point of concern for a regular <laughs> investor in New York or whatever part of the world. Our immigration system is extremely friendly. Just take into account that all of you represent source number one of income to our country. So you are very, very welcome to visit us and invest in our country. So $1,500, six last bank statements. You don't need to provide with criminal records, anything. It will be a matter of visiting the nearest Mexican consulate. You should see the co-op process in this town if you want <laughs> oh to compare God. and contrast. It doesn't even come close. So let me ask you, what are, what are a couple of the, the top two concerns that when Chris passes on a buyer to you and you go through the legal process of getting that transaction closed, what are the top two concerns that, whether it be Americans, whether it be somebody from Europe, whether it be somebody from Mexico, what are the concerns, if any, that these purchaser, purchasers would have as they discuss the legal stuff with you before they sign a contract and certainly before they close? There is a golden rule that every property to be offered in Mexico must be held in a private deed. That would be the beginning. Second thing that your attorney must perform a title search before you enter into the purchase process. And once everything is clear, then you sign the contract and then your attorney will advise you regarding the terms and conditions containing the contract. Normally, because of the dynamic of the businesses in the Mayan Riviera, I always advise my clients to verify um, delivery time, uh, final finishes, appliances, quantities, qualities, amenities, if any, everything must be in written in your contract. That's the trick. That, that, that's the key factor. Everything in written, everything clear, delivery. It sounds so easy, it's right? Easy. I mean, comparatively speaking, again, to what we go through here in New York or any vacation home in this Northeast corridor, I think this sounds really very easy. No concerns, no issues. No concerns, and you don't need to purchase title insurance as it happens in the States. And that is expensive. All right, we've got to go. We're out of time. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away.
put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. No matter what your current situation is, you have a unique story to your life. It's a dynamically changing story that requires constant adjustments to lifestyle and environment. That includes your home. As you continue to enhance your living space, you are also making overall improvements to increase the value of your home. Join Laura Minniff each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for dynamic insights for your home environment on the Voice America Variety Channel. And start living now. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We are talking to my panel, Niall Lundgren, Parul Brombat, Deborah Hoffman, Rachel Altschuler, Phil Horgan, and Ivy Ray. Hello, everybody, again. Hello, Vince. Welcome to part two. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about New York City past to present, from historic districts to sweeping new skyscrapers that are changing the face of our city. Who are the buyers, what is the demand, and why are they willing to pay anywhere from $1,700 to $2,300 to $2,600 a square foot. And that's becoming, on the low side, in some of these uber luxury design buildings, you're talking upwards of three and $4,000 The average is foot. actually $2,100. Yes. That's the average as of Q3 of yep. this year. That's correct. So again, who are these buyers and why do they feel so compelled to pay these prices? And also, by the way, you know, we've talked forever about the foreign buyer versus the domestic buyer, the New York City local buyer. Also, who are the buyers for these apartments in these price points? I don't so I was just going to finish where I was because it's an interesting thing. I'm one of the ones who kind of has a voice out, sort of duking it with some of the developers about a lot of what's going on. And we won't cover that now, but I wanted to say the reality of, of the matter is, is that land costs have gone way up and construction costs have gone way up. And one of the ways the developers can afford to make buildings now is to make them really high end. So this is a piece that I wasn't real aware of. And as I meet with some of the really top, you know, kicking brokers in the city, this is, you know, kind of a reality that I'm, that's being shed upon me. So I, I think the Ivy brings up a really good point. I mean, that's, that's why these prices are so high. Like Rachel said, 2,100 per square foot. On the low end. On the low end. Or on average, excuse yeah, me. But it, can be, but it can be much higher. You look at who are these people and who are the buyers of these apartments. Um, I think that it's both international and domestic. You know, for the international, one of the, one of the main drivers and motivations is getting you know, money out of their, their home country, for example, China, where there's instability, or Russia, for example. They want to get sheltering it, their they money. They want to shelter their money in the case that, you know, the, the stock market crashes or oil prices plummet, yep. that they have something tangible, and then they can actually move into it. It's not, you know, like in the stock market. So if anything actually happens, they can do that. So by the way, how, how is that market, by the way? People from, you know, these foreign lands, China, for example, the Ukraine has slowed down a bit, but Brazil, sure. anywhere outside of the domestic U.S., you know, the, the impetus is to shelter their money, to put their money in American investments, most, you know, especially in New York City. But has that slowed down at all, or is that it, still continuing it to has, drive this uber luxury uh, marketplace, as we have seen over the last 18 months? We well, you know it has a little bit, because honestly, there are only, as I've said week after week, there are only so many oligarchs in the world. So for the real uber expensive penthouse apartments, Honestly, it is slowing down a little, but the demand for the average person, and by average I mean 
one million to eight million dollar buyer. There's a huge, there's a huge demand there, but the product isn't there because right now the product is the real uber high-end stuff. Yeah, to, to sort of piggyback on what Deborah's saying, um, I think it's a story of, first of all, I think there's market segmentation in what you're talking about, right? So who's buying the, the 2000 per square foot and who's buying the higher price points? That being said, as much as there is a clear market segment and we could talk about that, I think what is really important to note is there is quite a bit of new development out there this year and more coming onto the market. And what we're finding, not just in new development, but also in resale, is that ultimately it's about something being priced right. So there are apartments that are priced at 3,500 a square foot, but genuinely are worth every single penny because of the view, because of the location, because of the pre-war conversion and ceiling heights and finishes and architecture and whatever it is. And then there's other people and other developments who are trying to, to sort of earn the same price per square foot, but don't have the product or the location. And I think what we're gonna find in the next year is that the product that is priced well and priced right, because I think unlike what it was like last year in 2014, when it seemed like anything that came onto the market because there was such low product was selling at higher prices, I think the consumer has gotten a lot smarter this year. And I think that that trend is gonna continue well, onwards. Well, well, my question is when you say that the consumer has gotten more smarter, let's talk about the sellers. Because they see all these glass towers going up and then automatically they want to put their apartments in resale back on the market at prices for new developments yeah. and there's and they're just not matching up. Yeah. So yeah. so what is happening there? Well you have a lot of first time developers. Everyone is a developer right now. Yes. And it's like or wannabe. the sexiest <laughs> thing yes. you can call yourself is a developer. And so especially in Brooklyn. And so a lot of times we work with these first time developers and they make the mistake of not consulting with a broker. And if Absolutely. you're going to ask 3,500 a square foot, you best believe you're going to put a half bath on a first floor of a duplex. Don't do PTAC units. Do central air. Be smart about what you put into your property. How many times, and you and I have worked in new developments, how many times have we looked at these floor plans and said, no. who the hell designed oh, these floor yeah. plans? And right? there's so many, and the, the most important thing is, and I hate to say this this way, but there's so many egos involved in the room when a building is getting built. Usually the developer has a point of view, the architect has a point of view, these are big name people with big money behind them, and there's probably a big name broker involved perhaps, and then there's the actual just understanding what needs to be done and getting it done. And it is the person who can remove their ego from the equation and learn to work with all of these characters that are in the room and costs and everything else. But, but to that point, who is the one in that yep. room that knows what it should look like or should be to sell. Rachel said it. Rachel said it. It's the marketing people. It's yeah. the it's the uh, we're broker. in the trenches. It's the people who actually walk the, the buildings or, it's or to, sell to off the floor you, plans. It's to quote you, Vince. The feet on the street. It's the feet on the street, and it's the broker who is always oh. dealing with the end consumer and exactly. knows how the market is changing today. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> no, I was, go was going to say the, the premise of your question was why are buyer, why do buyers feel compelled to pay these, pay these prices. Yeah. And I think it remains to be seen, which is sort of what a lot of us are saying, is that there's a lot coming on the market next year. Wall Street bonuses are down. Contract signings have been down about 20% in the last few months. I mean, yep. there's yeah. some indications, I'm not gonna call it top, but there's some indications that you know, prices could be cooling off and other uh, other know. good factors too are the jobs report just came out. We're doing very well from an unemployment standpoint, you know, and the Fed has made indications that interest rates are gonna rise. So all those things put together, what does that mean? Right. I think it means market correction. It's just a correction. I don't think it's a bubble bursting. Well, I don't I think it's anything. About that because I think it's a, a correction. Term, correction yeah. Because correction. I believe through our history we've corrected more than we've done anything else. I don't think that we've slid yeah. down to bargain basement what? prices through the years. I think we've corrected. I think we've understood, pulled back a little bit where we should be we're also based on where we are. We're also fix. forgetting about the market share under a million, I think, is makes up 6% of new development. Yeah. I mean, an extremely low number. And so affordable housing is actually 1 to 3 million, yes. which is funny. Affordable, affordable. housing, yeah. 1 to 3 million. That's, that, that's mm -hmm. amazing but to me. Developers are forgetting, as this market corrects itself, they're forgetting the people, like you and me, who can only afford up to a million. 
and that that's what they should concentrate on. And part of that's because of what I the days where a million yeah. dollars makes but a difference. It's, it's unbelievable to me that in a town like New York, well, actually anywhere, that a million dollars is actually nothing. Yeah, no. People look down on you when you spend a million or less on an apartment yeah. in this town. It circles back to the fact that it really is a reality that land costs are insane. Exactly. It is scarce, and construction costs have skyrocketed. And a lot of these developers can't, developers can't begin to create the housing that perhaps was around when you and I all got in the industry. You know, we could have seven million up or five million dollar buyers. We had a lot of buyers that came in and out. There were 800,000. They were trying to stay below a million for obvious reasons. And everyone could buy housing and it's not going on right now. And um, all we can do is hope and hope for more sty towns. Let me ask a question. So do we hear the term trophy apartment anymore? I mean, for the longest time, you know, the uber wealthy were buying the trophy apartments. You know, how many $130 million penthouses are there? How many $100 million penthouses are there? So do we hear this term any longer? Is trophy really applicable or is it just kind of the norm in New York City? I have not heard it for a while. No, I've heard, I've heard I have not blurry. either. That's why I'm asking. I have asking. not heard it since February 2005 or January, which is, al which is almost a year. I really haven't. So what does that translate to? Uh, 15. <laughs> 2015. But what does that I'm translate sorry. to? So we don't hear the term any longer. It sort of doesn't exist. What I does think it it's mean? because it's People's been overused. It's a certain things in, in real estate, if you notice, like the word luxury gets thrown around, thrown or around, Or like thrown triple around. mint I used to see all the time. I don't see that yeah. as well, much. Triple mint in resale, <laughs> that's mint. another whole story. But trophy meant something. It meant yeah. uber wealthy. It usually meant foreign investors. Uh, buying for their children or buying for themselves, using them as pied -a -terres. Anyway, I'm being told we have to go to a break. We are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with our esteemed panel, and we're going to talk a little bit about New York's history. It is rich and varied, from the glitter of the Gilded Age to the struggles of the immigrants who sought a better life in America. The city's past actually shapes its present. Okay, so we are always talking about the 1% of the uber wealthy, whether it is a foreign buyer or a domestic buyer. But let's talk about the 99% of buyers who purchase in New York City, which may or may not be purchasing in these new developments that we talk about every day. Who are these 99% buyers and where are they? They're everybody else in New York City. That's everybody who they else. Are. You know, first-time home buyers, right? Folks that are looking everybody. to start a family. I mean, artists and writers and accountants and you know like kind of the normal folk yeah and you know you're looking at one million dollar price range one to three million as on the low end 
and it's how do you they're going to Harlem and the Bronx yeah how do you start a family when you can't you can but buy what, a studio for one what are the price million. points in what I call you know everyday normal buying what are the price points I mean are we talking one to three million is that where we've come is it nine hundred thousand Actually, you can, can still, still get buy a, you an, can apartment, still get an apartment under a million. I mean, it's not like you can't get an apartment under a million dollars. Yeah. It depends what you're looking for. Studio, a nice one bedroom. You could even get a two bedroom for under a million. I've seen them. They're out yep. there. And that's the point that I we really are. need to make because we've been mm-hmm. talking about new development, a.k.a. condos. And so we all know 80% Absolutely. of the market is co-ops. And so that's where people are buying. However, it's where do you get the liquidity and where do you get the 20 percent down plus sometimes it's 40 percent down. Let, let's talk about studios for a minute because you know studios come and go and studios come and go and studios come and go I have seen such a resurgence in studio sales these days and I have to tell you something the prices are insane I don't even believe what I'm seeing and they're not lasting on the market more than you know a couple of days to a week or two why is that what I what I think is interesting about studio apartments is I believe and correct me if I'm wrong they are in terms of apartment inventory they're at the highest there's a, the more studio inventory just across the board forget about what's on the market than any other um, apartment one bed two bed five beds whatever um, actually pool has a really good story about a, a studio that I think uh, is really important well, so, I mean, we're, we're partners, and so we just listed um, in the new development that I just sold a couple years ago, we recently listed a studio um, that's 838 square feet. on 838 square feet? Yeah. That's wow. A big, that's, that's a big studio. studio. It's a big studio. So, it's, so I wanted, the size does matter on this one, um, and it's, it's at 110th and 5th Avenue. And we listed at $1.2 million, and we, are, we now have a signed contract. Um, at that price. What is that price per square um, foot? Oh, uh, gosh, what is that? Um, 14, 15. Four, yeah. Uh, yeah, about ridiculous. Street. And 110th so, Street. I mean, it's breaking, it's shattering records. All right, so hold on. Well, 110th East. But I was going to ask you, is yeah. it a convertible apartment? Can you put a wall up and make it at yes. least a one bedroom? You can. You to can. justify that's a price a of 1.2 yeah. for a studio? Because to me, that's, that's yeah, out of control. No, and, yeah, and, and the truth, I mean, but the, the truth of this story is, though, is that the person next door wants to combine and was willing to pay through the nose to buy that studio. However, the fact that somebody would entertain, even for the combination, that price point, is incredible that we're in that market space. Um, Just interesting, did you market it as a convertible one or did you market it as a very large studio? So I I marketed it as a large studio because that was legally what needed to be done. Um, So we didn't, we, you know, we, we, we stayed true, but I also knew because I know the building so well, I knew the guy next door would have been interested in buying this. So, so just for the listeners out there around the world, as we talk about every week on the show, you know, you hear things like studio. Studio equals one room. Yeah. In this particular case, a studio at 800 plus square feet is the size of most one bedrooms in this town. Actually, larger. It's than a big one bedroom. It's yeah. a big one bedroom, yeah. actually. So and, and, you know, everything is relative. So you got to kind of get past the terms sometimes. But I still look at the prices, and in that location on 110th Street, very aggressive price, but. You are also a very good broker, so I can understand where that comes from. Um, End of the day, it's shocking when we talk about the 99%, they're still able to pay, in some cases, some of these prices that we all look at and say, my God, my first studio apartment in town, I'm even embarrassed to say, because it wasn't all that long ago, was $37,000. That's amazing. And I bought it for cash because I thought, well, I don't want to have any kind of bills. I want to live in this town stress-free. $37,000. But you know, to bring this back, though, I mean, again, we started a conversation about something that's an outlier. You know, to go back to Rachel, what Rachel was talking about, what we're finding in the lower price segment. I mean, I have have two-bedroom buyers who really need to stay under, like, 1.3, and it is so difficult to do. However, under 1.5, there's great amount of two bedroom possibilities in the co-op market. Great convertible one bedrooms yeah. in the co-op market, and you know, in that market is serving some of these buyers who are bread and butter buyers, and thank God for that because really there are people who are getting priced out of the city every day, and it's good to actually have that market segment that I think Deb and Rachel can really speak to more than even you know more than I can. So well, let me let me add. Go ahead. What I was going to say, you asked a question about why are studios having a resurgence, and I think in an up market when things are going really well and there's not a lot of inventory and people can't afford the one bedrooms what happens is people move down so they're now just like people go to Brooklyn and they go to Harlem 
Same thing with the size of the apartment. I call it right-sizing based on your budget. Right. So in a so a lot of people say like you sh- some people say you shouldn't buy a studio because in a down market they don't do as well. But in an in an up market in an up market like this they do great because people can't afford the one bedrooms and they I've have to go down. I've seen them all studio. over the place lately yeah, doing great. Yeah. You just sold one really high price for what the size is. I did, and you're correct. In an up market, there's no place else to go. It's about the only thing that's affordable for the first time buyer out there that actually wants to own a piece of the rock in this yeah. town. Isn't that what everybody wants? The American dream. I want to own an apartment, and I want it to be in New York City. That's what it comes down to. It's also important to look at the monthlies. The maintenance is so high, and in some cases, if a studio has maintenance of north of $1,000, that's going to balance out the price. And the buyer will then say, well, if the maintenance is $1,200 for a studio, I'm going to push myself to get a one-bedroom. Yes. We have to go to break. We will come back in a few seconds. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. rim of the shield he set the mighty stream of the river oceanus creating achilles shield in homer's the iliad book 18 rachel carson in the sea around us said all at last return to the sea to oceanus the ocean river like the ever-flowing stream of time the beginning and the end moyer's environmental dialogues with dr rob moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet earth tune in thursdays at 3 p.m eastern 12 noon pacific on the voice america variety channel do you want to know what's really going on these days Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voiced America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back on our last segment. Uh, Time flies, as I say, every week. It's amazing. So, Parul, you wanted to make a point about the studio marketplace or maybe potentially not marketing it correctly for future? Yeah, so, you know what, I I mean, this is just a thought on my part, and it's just, you know, I feel like a lot of our industry and development, et cetera, isn't forward-thinking, obviously, because you have to serve the market that we're in. However, I feel that, for instance, like in Long Island, there's these huge mansions that were built about 10, 15 years ago that really aren't selling because the demand for that much space has gone away and people want more compact places. Also, there's only so many people can afford these huge numbers internationally. You know, that's just the way it is. And so as a result of it, people start finding more creative solutions in smaller spaces. So what I see as the future of real estate in Manhattan, to be honest, is smaller spaces that are more convertible into smaller bedrooms um, that are usable and utilizable, but really not high on the square footage end. And so I really foresee in five, seven, eight years, these huge apartments not being what the market is looking for anymore. But, you know, I have to say something on that because we're, ta- we're talking about apartments as if they're a commodity, which they are in many cases. But families live here, individuals live here, and people will move when they have to move. We saw this during the recession that there was only so long a family of four could live in a one-bedroom. So we can talk about the small apartment, and I've seen it. Well, They stay for the school district, they stay for various reasons, but there comes a time they have to move. So on one hand, you could talk about the mega mansions, which are spec homes in the suburbs, which I'm very familiar with. But again, everyone wants the three bedroom in the suburbs. Here in the city, if you want a home for not just a family, but even if you're a couple of any kind, you don't want to be in a 400 square foot studio for the rest of your life. It all depends how much you make, what the market is like, and I think a lot of need, as opposed to speculation, is what drives the market. So getting back to the 99% of buyers that we normally deal with, what, what then becomes the sweet spot for these buyers going forward? In any neighborhood, and I don't care if it's new development or it's, it's resale, it's older buildings, what is what becomes the sweet spot for these buyers today and then going forward you know i'll get in and get out really quickly but i just want to say that i think a lot of people as we all know are having to wait it out there's just nothing out they they have to wait it out because buyers buyers fatigue yeah, buyer's fatigue. It's they're experiencing one. fatigue. And they're you know? getting a little threadbare, aren't they? Yeah, and you lose <laughs> well, five bidding wars, but there's going to be fatigue. Yeah, all I wanted to say is It's interesting when they start sitting out of the market. Yep. So I know that some of the new developments, but luckily, I mean, likely the ones that are going to be super high-end, are definitely having some prints that are studios again. Because what's happening also is it's becoming popular to join what Perul is saying. People dig living small space. So that's happening again because you can take grave advantage, and one of the I want to go back to a small studio. Yeah, I know, I know. See, (laughs) that's what I just said. I just said that. I hold on. What I'm saying is that you know, small space. I mean, like you know, eight, seven hundred square feet. Buying a one-room something, and then getting something else up in Woodstock so you can mountain climb, or getting a house at the beach. Here we go. Like a lot of Woodstock. Yeah, no, but a lot of people are now more and more leaving the city. So I'm saying that, uh, you know, I think there's going to be some bits of studios I wonder, Rachel, what do you think on this? You haven't weighed in. I'd love to hear what you have to say. I, I think that there has been, thank you, Parole. <laughs> there has been a lot of, there's an exodus, I feel like. A lot of people are leaving the city, whether they're leaving permanently or second home out in the country, up north in Jersey and Connecticut. And, they're and it's okay. more than just wanting more space, by the way. Right. It's a quality of life. Yeah, and they're okay to have a small studio as long as they can go to have sleep and get to their job in less than a half an hour. But if they need a yin and a yang, 
balance in their life, they go and they leave the city. And I think that's and what I'm saying. I think that people will want to still be able to have their family here, but maybe not full time. And it's not that they don't want to be here and want to move when they want to move, like Deborah was saying. I think there's truth to that. It's just about getting priced out. So unless you're, you are that oligarch or gazillionaire, you know, like millionaire doesn't mean anything anymore. I'm talking about the millionaires, which are the 99% buyers in this town. And those people aren't going to be able to afford 3,000 square feet. And so what the need is going to be is these are still wealthy people who are white collar, who live a certain lifestyle. So I think going forward, looking into the future, what I see is the need for really nice finishes, very nicely customized homes that where everything can be put away, shoved away, just beautifully designed where smaller space living is still livable. Do you know what part of the market is so hot? And you're, all, you're going to agree? Townhouse multiple unit Love townhouses yes. income producing where the person the owner duplex yeah. has the garden they have the best of both worlds it's a little house in the city but they still have those income producing properties yeah. to that cover sounds their like a very smart way to go I say so that's hot. a great point let's talk I, afterwards I about that you and I making yeah. deals okay good <laughs> and this is what the immigrants did a hundred years ago coming here from every ethnic group they bought the townhouse which was a two family house absolutely to have, so everything's cyclical Everything old is Everything is definitely cyclical, but let's go back to the top of the show for a minute, just talking about the 99% of the buyers out there. So what do the 99% of the buyers out there think about, and I use the term loosely, the defacing of New York City with all of these high skyscrapers, all of these glass buildings, all of these new developments that we keep talking about week after week, and most especially today. What do these people, most of them native New Yorkers for a very long time, like myself, what do these people really think about when they drive down these boulevards and drive down these avenues in town and see these tall skyscrapers? It clearly isn't for everybody. But what is the general consensus when you're out with buyers and you're showing them a little bit of everything, new development or not? I think they're always interested in it. They always want to know, hey, do you think we could you know, check out prices over there? And when they see it and what the price per square foot is, they back off immediately. Amazing. Then you bring them back down to reality and get to what their actual price point is going to be. Because we really are changing the land. Excuse me, one second. We are changing the landscape of this town, no matter how you turn it around. Listen, we we we've talked about and we've complained through the through the year uh, on this show about the small mom and pop store, uh, stores going away. Every time you turn around on every corner in every neighborhood, what do you see? A CVS, a Dwayne Reed, or one of five thousand banks? Where are all of my mom and pop stores? So we are defacing this town. We are changing the landscape of this town. It no longer looks the same as it did even six years ago, seven years ago. I have to imagine that I'm not the only one that carries on about this and about Ivy what. does too. Uh, you know, look at me. I'm chomping at the well, go, go, so go, go, You and go, I are go. little peas in a pod here. And I think those of us that are native New Yorkers, not that everybody else doesn't have a stake and a love and a respect and, and they're into New York for the rest of their lives or whatever. The town that I grew up in, where my father took me when I was small, is absolutely gone. There's nothing left. My son is 23 years old, and all of where I took him, kind of in the way my dad in, I snuck him into jazz clubs and rock clubs. We went to diners. He, he has lived very much a New York life. Almost everything, he's 23, that he grew up in is gone. The place where he went, which was one of the best uh, pre-K programs in the city, Children's Aid Society is a condo. So, you know, I can feel, and if you're asking how I feel, I think it sucks. I'm, I, you know, it's, it's you really go. upsetting for me that there's not enough discernment and that we haven't, um, you know, once we put up glass towers, once we wipe down buildings that maybe aren't special enough or aren't contingency, that don't have enough contingencies to be landmark, it's gone. So there's been a really... A, it's a gone. Speed, that's the, that's you know, the so message here. So a big here. portion of the city that I love is gone. And more so, a lot of what has replaced it is in a different financial bracket. So the people that were housed there are gone. And the ma and pa's and the generations. And, well, the, the, the sad news about the, and I hate to use the term, but it's been pressed forever, the, the uber wealthy who come in and buy all of these luxury skyscrapers the simple fact of the matter is they're not even living in New York City. 
their investment properties or their pied de for when they visit. So you know, we talk about the landscape change, we talk about a cultural change, we talk about any kind of change, all right? It is all the same because it doesn't matter if you could afford to buy it, if you can't live in it, what is the point? You want to say well, something? Well, I was going to say, uh, just, I agree with everything that's said. However, one of the things I love about Manhattan and a lot of buyers do is that it is constantly changing. That's the thing. Like, you know, any, does but, but even the landscape. Major improvements on I, some I level. I love the fact that I could look down a block a year ago and it's different next year than it will be last year. And same thing five years from now. There's something about it. It's like a, it constantly changes the city. Look, I mean, the, the, the thing about... We always agree to disagree, guys. Is, uh, yeah, oh, always. yeah, I'm ready. And when you're done, I got things. <laughs> Chill. And, and, and look, I mean, obviously things have to be, you know, I mean, like you said, I mean, there are things that have to be, um, when, when you have a, a city like New York, things are constantly changing. It doesn't mean we're not going to have regulations, rules, to make sure things don't get out of hand. But it's New York, and I love this. Wait, wait, Ivy, let me let me jump in. Okay, no, I'm just I he's talking to me, so I get to say one thing, and you I'll talk quick. Into song. So I love New York. Others. I do too. I love New York. It's my yeah. place. So here's my what I town. want to say first. I am for progress. I am absolutely in the rise and thrust of change, 24/7. I'm like, you know, this is what happens on Earth. So if you hold on white knuckled, hoping things will not get different. You're screwed. Passionate. All I want to say is one, I, I, there's a lot nah. I could say, Just but I'll say one thing and then pass the torch. Yeah, it's radio. There's two kinds, <laughs> there's two kinds of change. One is with whatever degree of consciousness goes along with all of the change that's going to take place. Yeah. So you're considering the people that you're going to displace. You're considering the surroundings that you're going to build into when you build the new buildings. You're considering sort of the face of the neighborhood. And the level of people, all I'm saying. I don't disagree with that. Just to be clear. Would be wait, wait, guys, can I jump in for a second? There was a little. Time out. Time out. Okay. It would Let be it sweet <laughs> if there was a little more consideration in all directions with the it's progress. It's a balance. I think we agree. It's a balance. It has to be the right balance, right? Like your personal life, everything is is better when it's in balance. It's the same here Thank with you. progress and, and with more consideration. Balance Help is the yes to progress. Balance is the key. Yeah. Yep. We need a little bit of everything. And, and as I always say every week on the show, it's not like we're all ever going to agree uh, 100% because How everybody has. Well, exactly. We all have different opinions. But I do have one last controversial question or statement to make on the, the new development me. stuff because I think the controversy has died down, but I'm dying to ask the developers this later on this afternoon at 1 o'clock. What has happened with the poor door, poor door controversy in this town? And do we see this continuing, or do we see this just kind of being swept under the carpet? And again, it kind of goes back to the 99% or the 1%. I mean, it really is quite an interesting concept. First of all, the press is who gave the term poor door its meaning, okay? Let's talk about Damn this. that media. People, well, you know what? The people who are living <laughs> in these buildings have access to the best school systems, have a secure building, have safe neighborhoods, have beautiful parks, have recreation. They're close to everything. They're getting the address. People wait for years on these lists to get into apartments such as this. And if you talk to anybody, and I have spoken to people who go through the poor doors, they are so thrilled to be in this building that it's just a, must have been a slow news day when the press thought it up. It's an awful term. Really I'm glad so. it's gone away. It, may, it doesn't serve anybody well. Yeah. It's, it's, it completely they don't care the how they have to get in, right? And the press made a it building seem like is a building. A By the thing. way, you're all under the same roof, so why, why the designation, right? Um, anyway, we have to go. That's our show for today. Thank you once again for joining us. Thank we always you, run out of time. You know Thank that. You. Thank you. You could always catch the show later in the day on podcast on the voiceamerica.com radio network or on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us here at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.